You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret Wyatt, Terry Brooks, Sheena Kamal, Matthew Quick, JT Ellison, Walt D. Williams, Brad Ford, Corey, Dr. O, Brandon Robin Mock, Ernest Klein, Jim Butcher, Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Well, thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm really excited to have Mike Chen back on the show with me today. He's here to talk about his brand new book, We Could Be Heroes. And if you love fun science fiction with a superhero twist, uh, this is a must-have. Uh, for your to be red pile, it needs to be sitting beside your bed or, or in your, you know, next to your favorite reading chair, wherever it is that you love to get comfortable and get lost in a book. We could be heroes must be in that spot. Uh, thanks for joining me again, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thanks for saying those really nice things. Hank. <laughs> I did not pay Hank to say that. <laughs> not at all, but it is the truth. It is the truth. Um, Mike, you are one of my favorite authors. And when I saw that, uh, that you had a new book out, uh, I told Dawn, my wife, who's also the producer of the show, we, we've got to try to get Mike back on the show. Um, I've had so much fun reading this book. Um, how much time has gone into, into this story? Um, so it originally started as a short story back in 2016 ish, I think, um, yeah, to summer 2016, I sold it as a short story, and it's basically uh, chapter five. It's chapter five is an adapted version of that. Originally, it was the two main characters, same main characters, uh, same powers. Um, it's Jamie, who is also known as the Bind Robber, and Zoe, who is known as the Throwing Star. Um, the only difference is in the short story, they meet up in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. <laughs> um, and instead here, it's more adapted to the bigger picture story, which is a memory loss and dementia support group, um, because they're, they're really dealing with their memories. Um, so I had the, the characters and their rough backstories in my head for a while. And then around 2018, it was, I was talking with my agent about, uh, what are we going to do next? And I said, I, I, I would really like to try to expand on the stuff I did in that short story. Um, but who's going to buy a superhero novel? <laughs> you know, that was like my big concern. Um, so, but, but we sold it and I think the timing is really right for it. Uh, just as the timing was really bad for my last book, a beginning at the end, which is a post pandemic book that came out in right. January, 2020. Um, I think a, a lot of the reader feedback I'm getting with this one is that the timing is really good because people are looking for something with heart, um, but still light and fun and uplifting. Right. You know, 10 years ago, or maybe not even that far uh, back, uh, you know, your thoughts about the superhero genre in a prose novel um, were, were absolutely right. Like, like who would read prose about superheroes that the, 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 uh, it just doesn't, those, those are mediums that don't seem to work together. Um, why do you think that might be changing? Because I've noticed, and we've had several, um, authors on the show, um, lately. And by lately, I mean the last couple of years, uh, where DC is, is doing some, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. some reimagining of their, uh, origin stories and things like that. Uh, why do you think it's, 
it, people are maybe opening themselves up to the possibility of enjoying a story like this. Well, I'm really lucky in that um, it, it wasn't intentional, but um, I became friends with Natalie Zena Walshots, who wrote a really awesome superhero book called Hench. And that came yeah. out in September. Um, and uh, we, we've been paired together in like when, when we do book conference panels and stuff like we, we got we got to know each other because we were paired together because we were like, you know, the superhero novelist. It was kind of like this weird anomaly. Um, and so we've become friends from that. And, and, um, that's a question that we actually get asked <laughs> quite a bit. Um, and I, I think part of it is, um, the, the medium could have always worked if you adjusted your expectations and framed it properly. Um, because it's a very, with books, you can't communicate information quickly like you can't do in a visual medium. Sure. So, so action has to be much more deliberate, but the flip side to that is you can get really into character. Um, yeah. and I think you can get into character and you're not limited by like budget, you know, like, uh, or, or like the size of a comic book panel. Um, you're really able to, to do whatever the imagination dictates. So because of that, I think you're able to, um, so with, with, with visual mediums, you're limited by um, the uh, artist's physical space or the budget of a TV show or a right. movie in terms of effects. So, but in, in prose, you're only limited by the imagination. Um, so, so those are the trade-offs going on there. So I think it, it's always worked because like the imagination aspect clearly works if you look at you know, science fiction and fantasy novels. Of course. Um, I think with superheroes in particular, we are just used to seeing them in a visual format. So part of it is the audience had to be ready for this. Um, and even what I, I see with like uh, um, my daughter's books, like she reads the graphic novels for a DC superhero girl. But we also got the, um, the young readers, like the novel collection to read to her. And so like these are, you know, no pictures. I think they're probably like middle grade level. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they are very character driven. Um, and the, the pacing is quick but it doesn't match the pacing on TV or in a comic book because that's impossible. So I think it's just about changing the viewer or the reader expectations and understanding that it's going to take these situations that we're familiar with in, in other mediums, but then going much deeper into character with that and, and, and giving that space to, to breathe and explore. Yeah. Well, and we're definitely going through a, a, a Renaissance uh, period right now with the, uh, almost glut of, yeah. <laughs> of superhero movies and TV shows. And, um, you know, we're finally getting that, that itch scratched, um, that a lot of us that are, you, you know, kind of geeks at heart have, have longed for, for so long. Um, but you know, once you've had the big splash on screen and, and, uh, you know, the, the kind of adrenaline pumping, um, action that you get in these, uh, I, I think it does leave people longing for more character development and 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 that's what the novel can bring is is that deep backstory and the real connection with the people behind the powers if you if you want to look at it that way yeah i i think like i set out to do something where like i wanted to like the first two chapters introduce you to you know the the archetype of a hero and a villain but very quickly like about halfway through each chapter like we, we break past that facade and go into like who they are as people. Um, and then first you establish them 
as individuals and then as they get to know each other like it goes deeper into like themes of friendship and trust and and things like that and while that can work like in a movie or or tv series like you get much much deeper into uh, into it with prose simply because you're like inside the character's head I love that this book began as a short story. Um, I didn't know that. And uh, now looking back on the book in, you know, framed that way, uh, I can I can completely see how that that I think you said chapter five uh, was was the original concept. Um, do you think about, uh, you know, when you're starting a new project, if something's going to be a short story or if it will eventually be a novel? Um, do you have those kinds of feelings from the beginning? I don't write too many short stories because I find them to be incredibly difficult. Um, they yeah. are like when I've tried to write them in the past, um, I, the feedback I always get from, from my colleagues is you've written a chapter of a book, which does not work as a short story. You know, you have to like <laughs> cut, you know, these parts and then make this part, you know, more in depth. Um, so it's a skill set that I haven't really developed much and uh, i actually find quite intimidating <laughs> um so uh most of my most of my ideas like are are basically does this have enough meat on the bones to sustain you know 70 to 100,000 words so um i have like a short list of ideas that probably don't fit a novel length um but i'm not quite sure what to do with them um, like whether to, to flesh them out into something with a little bit more depth or to try my hand at short stories again. I, I, I've probably only written, um, since I've really been, you know, giving fiction a lot of time in my life, I've probably only written like four or five short stories and uh, only one of them has, has made it to publication, which is this one. Um, did, when you wrote that short story, did you envision the the back and forward story um that became the novel like like were were there things that you knew about these characters and about the situation that uh that you didn't put into the story but kind of had them lingering in your mind yeah and actually i just realized that i have had a second short story published which is the uh in the star wars from a certain point of view anthology that just came out but that's different because that's kind of like playing in your own favorite fan fiction sandbox is much different from trying to publish a short story on your own. Um, but I knew um, when I wanted to, when I wanted to bring this from a uh, short story to, to a full novel, I knew I wanted to keep the alternating. I wanted to do alternating points of view uh, because I think both characters are, are equally interesting. And because this was uh, designed to be a book about their friendship, um, I thought it was important to show, an even amount of both sides of that. Um, the basics that I had in mind already, I knew there was some mysterious incident that wiped out both of their memories. And I knew that that would be like, in the short story, that is the underlying thing that brings them to, to drinking, which is why they both go to an AA meeting. Um, so similar things that drive them to the memory loss support group here. Um, I knew that they were both highly troubled people um, who were fundamentally good underneath their superpowered facade. Um, and I knew that the city itself would basically be like, you know, San, San Francisco dressed up in something else. Um, so those were like the basic tenets of it. The exact 
details of, of, you know, what is the thing that took their powers away and the, the mystery that they explore in this book, that was all um, like, I just knew something had to happen. I didn't quite have those details yet, but it was more about where were they as people? Um, that stuff was pretty established from, from the beginning. Dream Author by Sophie Hanna is an immersive 14-month coaching program for writers at any and every level of experience, and also for those of you who want to write and are just waiting for the right encouragement and guidance to get you started. Your writing dreams should make you happy. For so many of us, our dreams are not a source of happiness. Instead, they cause us stress, guilt, frustration, and even shame. Here's the great news. All of these feelings are natural and all writers experience them. The problem, though, is that when your writing dreams bring you more anxiety than joy, it affects your resolve and your productivity, and you end up not taking the action you need to take in order to propel your dreams in the right direction so that they can stand a strong chance of coming true. That's why Sophie created the Dream Author Coaching Program to teach anyone who is passionate about writing how to change the way they build, think about, and pursue their writing dreams in order to become their own most powerful ally and advocate for the rest of their writing life. And more great news. Once you've learned that skill, it lasts forever. Visit dreamauthorcoaching.com to get started today. Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, look no further than Pico's House. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical yet courteous. They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing, or proofreading, Pico's House is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started. So with with most superhero stories, um, we have this elaborate mythology that's built around their backstory and and how they came to have powers and um you know and usually there's a there there's a period where they're they're getting comfortable with them and then something lets them know that uh you know this this must be used for good and for justice and and you know you, you kind of have these these feelings that that come into the story um by having people that just wake up and and have no idea who they are, why they're here, and they just have these powers, um, what do you think that that gave you as the writer um, to to have this really unique look at at people who have developed powers? One of my favorite themes in in fiction, um, and I, I, I re- it took me until like the release of this book to realize that I've actually played with it in all of my books now. Um, then that was totally unconscious, but I really am fascinated with the idea of, of a reset, um, in, in here and now, and then, which is my time travel one, it, it's a reset through time travel, which creates like different family circumstances. Um, and then in a beginning at the end, you have characters who either willingly or just through sheer like logistics of surviving a world killing pandemic like they decide to reset their lives and, and change their identities for this. And this was kind of on the line of the same things again, not intentional, but the, it's like, you know, something that I think about a lot. Um, I, I jokingly tell my wife that um, I, I would like medical technology to live, to let us live to be about 200 years old, because then we could have like multiple careers and 
live in different places. And it, like, it's all based on like the idea of a reset. And I think part of it is like my own internal wanderlust of like trying to figure out who I am. And like, when you think you know who you are, like, is that really who you are or can you change and adapt some more? So the, these are questions that I you know personally think about quite a bit and in storytelling, I just really, really enjoy. So that's kind of where, where that whole thing came from. I love that. Um, you said this, that the setting is sort of a dressed up uh, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Are there reasons why um, that region, that that city, that that place um, kind of meant so much to you in this situation? Um, just because I live here. <laughs> <laughs> I live here. So it's like all of my books take place in, in the Bay Area. And it's simply because it's it's one less element of world building that you need to think about. It's like rather than having to make up the geography of a fictional city, it's like, I know the city, I know the weather, I know the surrounding areas. Um, I did name it San Delgado um, specifically because a lot of superhero uh, in Marvel, they use real city names. Um, right. You know, like, but then in DC, like central city is Seattle and, um, you know gotham city is new york and so you have things like that where it, um the 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 superhero center of action is based on you know actual regions um and i love and how I central city is central to nothing yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> but so i i basically just took that where it kind of riffing off off of that and the name delgado so all of the character names here or a lot of the character names are based on uh classic doctor who um names and uh, actors oh gosh, and things like funny. that so uh joe uh zoe and jamie are companions of the second doctor san delgado is named after roger delgado who played the master in um the classic <laughs> era so uh that was it's just all like, making sense now yeah yeah it's funny because my, my wife is listening to the audiobook right now and then she uh there's a there's a healthcare facility in there called telos and then she goes, oh, that was really clever that you did that because, you know, in Greek mythology, telos means the search for, you know, identity or something like that. And I go, actually, I named it after the planet in Doctor Who, Tomb of the Cybermen. <laughs> <laughs> so she was like going off for several minutes about like how it's like this model of philosophy about like, you know, discovering your identity and even like people talk about in terms of cybernetics now. And I just go like, it's from a Doctor Who episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, one of the things I love about this book and and all of your books really um, is the the playful nature uh, that you you approach science fiction with. You know, um, science fiction can be extremely fun, uh, or it can be really um, heavy handed, or um, it, it it can really you know, as a genre, it can, it can be so wide reaching. Mm -hmm. um, it, but I love that, that you approach it with a sort of playful nature. And there are lots of um, and it's not jokey. I don't mean it that way, but there are plenty of moments of levity in, in your books. Um, it, 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 do you do you consider yourself a certain type of writer or do, do you think about, you know, how you approach uh, and, and why it is that that you prefer levity over um, maybe I, I can't just pull an example out right now, but you know there there are different different sorts of science fiction, and and yours definitely um, it is more fun to read if if I can just put it that way. I think um, 
I don't write epic stuff. Um, and, and epic stuff, like, I don't think I am capable of writing because the amount of, like, world building and, like, the scope of conflict in there, like, I could never write, um, uh, who, who writes really good epic fantasy? I, I'm totally blanking now. My friends are going to kill me. For this. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, something with like, you know, five battling political factions and there's dragons and then there's mages and things like that. And there's like an in-depth magic system and an in-depth political system. And that stuff is uh, just does not really work for me. Like yeah. my brain doesn't think that way. Um, but what I am very influenced by as a writer is I like character stories. Um, and I started out, I was originally trying to write contemporary stuff. Um, this was around like the late aughts. So like 2008 to 2010-ish. I was writing these character stories and like these family dramas um, with very much the same tone, but they were taking place in you know the, our modern society. And I was feeling kind of bored with them. And I was thinking like something about them is not working. And I was telling my friend that, I really wish I could just put them like on a spaceship or something like that and kind of like merge the type of story that I really like with the, with like the world building of things that I really like. Um, and I thought no one would ever buy that. Like science fiction has to be space opera or epic or grim dark or, or something like that. And then contemporary stories are the only places that you can really explore fantasy. And then she said like, just give it a try, you know, at, at the very least, you know, you'll, you'll have worked through something that you like. Um, and that's, uh, that eventually led to, you know, when I signed with my agent and we sold here and now, then I think the market has really shifted in like the past five years. And I've just been really lucky that there's a gr much greater acceptance to, to diverse stories in terms of, um, the type of plot, type of tone, the type of cast. Um, and, and I think, uh, because of that science fiction has really opened up. So I'm just really lucky that. I came in at the right time. With, with a book like We Could Be Heroes, um, when you're dealing with characters who uh, have memory loss and and wake up sort of fully formed, if you will, that that is a great um, setup to explore uh, nature versus nurture. Yeah, you that's know, one what, of the big things. Well, absolutely. Um, how how did you as you wrote the story and kind of work through this? Um, did you did you come up with any answers for yourself about kind of why we become who we are and and, you know, are we born this way? Is it, it, it you know, is it a, an effect of of who we're around and our surroundings? Did, did you come to, to anything for yourself from that? I would think um, not necessarily through through working through this book, but I have been to a lot of therapy in my life. <laughs> um, and and uh, I, I often joke to my wife about how. Um, like she comes from an uh, overly emotional family for good or bad. And I come from an underwhelming emotional family for good or bad. Yeah. And so we have taught ourselves or we have taught each other to like to, to, to look inside and see why and understand ourselves better. And then through that, like we understand each other much better. Um, so like between, between our you know, evolving relationship and, and, going to therapy and, and about, you know, things from your childhood and stuff. Um, so that, I think part of that is also related to the idea of like resets and like personality resets and charting a new course in your life. Um, so it, it all comes together. And then in, in this one in particular, the, the big theme 
was uh like you said with nature versus nurture like the the idea that society and family assign you this identity you know and you may not want to be that person and how much of a choice do you actually have in in doing that and what is it what's the cost of like breaking past that like what what are the privileges you're going to lose what are the connections you're going to lose if you choose to reject the identity that other people are trying to assign to you the characters of zoe and and jamie uh are are so different and and you know by uh on on purpose it it mm-hmm. seems like um but uh, you know this is a, a really great look at uh at odd friendships and and what um what all relationships could be if we kind of let loose of some of our preconceived notions. Um, was that something that you wanted to explore specifically or did it just kind of come up in, you know, as, as you're kind of getting the set pieces for the story in place, like, Oh, well, I could, I could do this. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I always knew that I wanted them to be on paper, totally opposite. So like their powers, one is physical and one is mental, but personality one is methodical and very fearful, and then one is impulsive and very fearless. Um, and, and I thought like that's a really interesting setup to see how um, how we can build trust with someone who is completely unlike ourselves and still find that like they're good company. Um, I think back to uh, and this wasn't intentional, but I think back to um, like as a as a kid growing up. Like I was, um, I was like super into like independent music and like, you know, reading gothy stuff and being like into star Wars and nerdy things and building computers. But my best friends were like members of the high school basketball team. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, whenever we were hanging out just by ourselves, like, you know, we were just ourselves. And then in like a bigger social group, it would kind of be like, you know, I would be like the outlier because, Hey, I don't play basketball, (laughs) you know? Um, but, but it didn't matter. Like when we were just hanging out. So it's kind of like that, like it wasn't an intentional riff, but I think that's a good example of how, um, when you strip back what people's expectations are you and you let yourself relax, even if you're completely different, like, even if you're like a super introvert who is into nerdy things, and you're hanging out with a super extrovert who is into sports, there's probably a lot that you can still find and enjoy about that person. And, and I was, it was really important to show this on a friendship level and not a romantic level because there's already so much media that's consumed with, you know, ship person X and person Y because opposites tracked, you know? And, right. and I think, I think it's really, really important to, to acknowledge the power of friendship. Um, in in a way where um people consciously choose not to be romantic um i I think if we just accepted that much more all of us would be much happier and there would just be way less pressure on people you know in weird ways right absolutely um as someone who wrote a pandemic book (laughs) that then sparked a real life pandemic yeah um, my bad. <laughs> what was 2020 like for you? And, and as a creative person, uh, you know, I've, I've gotten to ask this question to, to several people. Um, uh, you know, writers tend to have a pretty solitary existence and um, uh, we kind of stay locked up in a room by ourselves for a lot of, you know, days. 
Um, how how did 2020 affect you and how how did you see your creative process shaping during the, you know, a, a lockdown and stay at home order and all this kind of stuff? Well, from so first from seeing things that came to life, like I, I joke that my world building must have actually been pretty good because <laughs> <laughs> I guess I mean, I, I had reread a beginning at the end, I think in like June. And um, I remember in the early months how some people would send me messages about like, I really like this, but wow, this was really unnerving. And so I let myself get some distance from it. And then I reread it and I was very surprised at like the little details that I had forgotten about, like with um, just like the way that social distancing, social distancing is treated, um, masks and whether some people wear masks and some people don't. And little things like that where um, my thought process while I was writing that was to try to look at pandemic um you know, variables on a very practical level. So it's like, if you're worried about transmission from, um, from germs, then you're going to have a lot of hand sanitizer and masks. Like that just makes common sense. So it, it I, I don't think I'm like necessarily prophetic with that. It was just like, Hey, this is what would probably happen. Um, but seeing it play out was, was, was very, very unnerving and weird and revisiting that, um, it, it was very strange. I actually got some hate mail uh, in like March of last year where someone just accused me of like capitalizing on it. And like, how dare I write a book about COVID when her father was in the hospital? And I'm like, I didn't reply because I'm like, how do I explain that publishing is like a two year cycle? Yeah, there, there's. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, but yeah, that, that was really that was really kind of strange. Um, well, I remember last year after we spoke and, mm-hmm. and I had I had originally read the book um, as a galley uh, that, that was sent to me from, uh, by your publisher. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we spoke. And then a couple of months later, I listened to the audio book just um, um, because I, I love audio books and I, I just wanted to 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 experience the book again. But in this way. And I remember um, it was uh, I. I I had the book on my phone and it's playing in my car uh, as I went down to uh, our little local uh, Dollar General store uh, to to go buy some stuff for home. And and they were sold out of toilet paper. So I, I guess this would have been March or April of last yeah. year, whenever whenever that craziness was happening. And I remember getting back in the car and your book was on and I was just thinking, damn you, Mike Chen, you did this to all of us. <laughs> you know, I, I had just got a message from a new reader who screen capped um, the, the, the little bit of like, uh, like newspaper clipping in there yeah. about um, Mojo's concert, like, which is the start of the, the quarantine process. And the date was March 11th, 2019. And he goes, he's, he messages me, this guy, and he goes, did you realize that March 11th, 2020 was when the NBA shut down? And I'm like, I had no idea. <laughs> that was like little things like that are just like, they're very surreal and unnerving. <laughs> I had a friend who, um, he had read my first book and then, um, but like he is, he came, like he read things later than like, not, not at the release time. So he read the beginning at the end during COVID and he just sent a message and he's like, what other future stuff can you tell us about? So I get that a lot. <laughs> um, but your question about like, how has 2020 
been for me as a creative, I would say um, I am finally hitting burnout. Um, I was just talking with, with my wife and my therapist about this. Um, I think uh, it, what, what the variable that makes it hard is that we have um, a six-year-old who is, uh, so she started kindergarten in August, um, which means that I am half teaching kindergarten while doing my day job while um, you know, also trying to be her friend and a partner and a housekeeper and, you know, all these things, like we're all like doing these overlapping things. And my poor kid has like, she sees her parents as just like your teacher slash parents slash friends slash, you know, servant. Um, and, you know, she should be with other people in a community for, you know, four or five hours a day. And so we're all on top of each other and it's just very draining mentally and physically. So um, I, I, I told my wife that like all I want for, you know, a gift or whatever is like a sensory deprivation chamber for like three hours. <laughs> um, so, so it's like, I've been actually been able to be productive from a writing perspective with this because I, I find writing to be very recharging um, especially in this environment, because like when, when you're writing, you're just in your head and it is so nice to just be in my head and not thinking about, you know, making dinner or, you know, like crafts or, you know, whatever things that my daughter needs. Um, so, so it's been hard. Um, I, so I did during this pandemic, I wrote the final version of we could be heroes. I turned that in in March. So it was basically like a, an editing and revision process. Sure. I wrote the bulk of my fourth book, which is called Second Contact, and that will be coming out a year from now. I wrote the bulk of that, and I wrote my Star Wars um, story about Emperor Palpatine. Um, and I'm just starting on the early draft of my fifth book, which is called Vampire Weekend, which will come out in two years. So I've been productive. Um, and it's only been in like the last maybe two weeks or so where I'm just feeling like completely spent. And I think part of it is because a vaccine is, you know, in our near future, I think we're all having a little bit of that, like, it's so close, but so far away. Right. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's been oddly productive. And I, the silver lining is I've uh, been able to keep in touch with friends, you know, who are, you know, through dm chats or text chats or zoom or whatever and then we all have that that, that infrastructure now to yeah. do that and i think that'll be actually really cool going forward like my daughter plays with her friends over zoom um and i think as she grows up and she has friends who move away or if we move or whatever like they will have this really cool connectivity to stay in touch with people their whole lives um right. that we don't have so little things like that are kind of cool um probably not worth what, what it costs to take us here, but, right. uh, but, but you know, it's trying to find silver linings like that in there. Well, what's going to really be interesting, Mike, is, is seeing where um, sci-fi writers take us over the next three, four, five, maybe 10 years, because, um, you know, there's been lots of stories like yours um, last year that, that, looked at the the what ifs you know what if a, a pandemic happened what would we do and you know how would this affect relationships and all of this great stuff that that sci-fi does for us and gives us the opportunity to look at things that are not going on and and kind of help us to prepare in a way mentally and emotionally um i wonder what what things uh 
you know, what, what direction science fiction will take us now after after kind of the worst case scenario happening. Um, you know, I wonder what's next. It, it's going to be interesting to see. I think uh, so. I had talked earlier about how uh, Natalie, how um, she and I have been like on superhero panels together. Sure. When I was releasing a beginning at the end, I was on a lot of panels with um, Sarah Pinsker, who wrote a a book called A Song for a New Day. They actually won the Hugo, um, but that's a that's a post pandemic book. And then also Chuck Wendig, who is Wanderers, was a, a bestseller. That's a post pandemic book too. And uh, so we got on several panels together to talk about pandemics within a pandemic. Um, and, and so <laughs> I think we all kind of agreed that you're going to get a certain, like in the next one to two years, you're going to get a certain amount of just like cheesy science fiction. That's really about like, you know, zombies in COVID or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, and that's going to happen. And that's not really related to COVID. Um, it just, it's just kind of the schlocky thing, like the cash in thing that that happens with any sort of major event. I think what you're really going to see, though, is the books that are written during 2020, which means they'll probably be released in like 2022 to 2024. There's probably going to be a lot of themes of isolation and breaking apart and coming back together and figuring out how do you put back pieces together. And it's going to be in all sorts of different types of dress so it's like you know it, it could be about like someone who's isolated on the moon or something like that right. um but i think those themes are 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 going to come through in in heavy volume and then you're probably going to sw- see a swing back the other way where like the the second half of the decade will probably have a lot more um uplifting stories and lighter stories because i think the people who are going to be writing books in 2021 2022 are just kind of like I'm sick of everything being grim and I want to bring some lightness into my life. Like that's actually when, when this book sold, I was worried that the the tone of it was too different from my first two books, because those are very heavy books. And right. this one is very, very light on its feet. It's got action and it's got banter and quips and stuff. But the, the, the early feedback that I'm getting from readers is like, people are saying, this is exactly what I need right now. It's fun, but it, it's smart and it has, heart um so that's good timing for me (laughs) but i think you're going to i think you're going to see creators feel that way right now where they're they're just kind of like i've been through the worst so screw it i'm just going to write something fun because this is what i want to do and you're going to see that starting probably like 2024 2025 actually come to market well, we could be heroes, which has absolutely nothing to do with COVID. Thank God, um, <laughs> is available everywhere now, and it's a, in in Kindle edition or hardcover or um, or audiobook. Um, if you are a uh, an Audible subscriber like I am and and love that format, you can get it any way that you consume books. We're going to put links to it in the show notes to make it easy for everybody to uh, to grab their copy. Uh, Mike, if people are just learning about you, God forbid, and want to dig into all the great stuff that you do, where can they find you online? So my website is MikeChenBooks.com. I don't update that nearly as much as I should. Um, I am much more active on Twitter, and that is MikeChenWriter. It's it's very important to include writer because there's also Mike Chen, the YouTube food guy, um, who has like 3 million followers. (laughs) So we... uh, um, I actually just got, uh, I was, I did a Reddit AMA 
and then someone came in uh, and asked the question of, geez, like the person said, like, I didn't know that you also wrote books. I thought you were just the host of Strictly Dumpling. And so I had to correct, like, there are two of us that we have, like, we have talked before because he got mistaken for something that I did. And so he tagged me and then we just started chatting. So someday, you know, we've talked about we would love to do like the Mike Chen crossover podcast. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> so yeah, that's Mike Chen writer. And that's where I'm, I'm much more active. Excellent. We'll put links there uh, as well. Uh, Mike, always fun to catch up. Uh, thank you for writing We Could Be Heroes. Uh, this book has meant a lot to me and uh, I'm passing it around to everyone that I know. Uh, so Thanks again for taking time to come back on the show. Of course, uh, I will have another release around this time next year. So if you're up for it, I am game. Excellent. We look forward to, uh, to always hanging out. Authors, I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website, your home on the web, where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates. PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20 or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting. And we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-Site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web.